0: Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie, and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade, and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights, and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Les Thomas is a Melbourne-born and based singer and songwriter whose first album, Survivor's Tale, was released in 2013. His latest album, All My Friends Are Superstars, was released this year. His thongs- songs are thoughtful, compassionate and vivid evocations of daily life. So I'm going to talk to him about them and some other things. Hello, Les.
1: Hi, Sophie. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's great to talk to you. And I'm going to launch straight into the album um, and ask when you started working on it.
1: So um, that's, a, that's an interesting question in and of itself because, uh 10 years might seem like a long time for some people, you know, I feel like I've been constantly doing stuff, uh, releasing singles, writing songs. Um, there have been certain songs, Man on Fire as an example that were written a fairly long time ago back in 2016 mm-hmm. And they're the ones that I sort of put to one side and said, when I'm ready to do an, do an album, Uh, it's going to be part of that so you know keeping the best work uh, for that kind of a collection Mm -hmm. Um, the earliest uh, written song on the album is called Ballarat uh, about a real life incident and yeah when figuring out what's going to go on an album basically I like to go over everything I've written Mm -hmm. and sort of put it into a coherent uh, collection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, it has been a very, very deliberate process over, you know, quite a few years.
0: Mm-hmm. So because you said you used the phrase keeping songs for the collection, which did suggest that there was other songs that weren't destined for the collection. So it sounds like you write pretty constantly. Um, and then when you reach the point of putting an album together, Is it that you have a particular intention for that album that's how you choose the songs um, and then some just don't fit that intention or is it more just you use your instinct to choose the songs for the album and think, yeah, these are the best representation of me at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think that a theme or as in a central theme will often emerge Mm -hmm. in in that sort of collection of songs. And um, I'm guided really by the strength uh, of each song It's how those things might relate to one another. So, um, yeah, I I think there's a lot of uh, themes about definitely um, the main relationships that I have in my life, my relationship to music as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I'm known as a pretty political person. Mm -hmm. Um, So inevitably, there are going to be things that relate to that. Um, but yeah this this is a much more uh, personal album for me than than previous work and um, basically I wanted to present a more rounded um, yeah collection of songs because I really admire artists who can um, yeah focus focus on and and show more of the dimensions of who they are you know across the emotional spectrum as, mm-hmm. as well you know yeah. we're we're complex uh, creatures mm-hmm. and um yeah i think it's very rewarding as a listener uh, to 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 um see that and enjoy that
0: when you go through the songs you have though because you've written them over a period of time do they they kind of feel present again, like you know, you when you found Ballarat from 2016, and you might have been playing it in shows. But do you connect to the person you were when you wrote that song? So it's almost like not a trip down memory lane. That sounds a bit twee, but but just that idea of oh yeah, I really feel the emotion uh, that I felt, or or whatever was in my head when I wrote that song. It's like a way of being there again.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, songs have to earn their place. And for a song to kind of hang around this long, um, you you want a good reason for it. Um, So, yeah, I feel it's got something significant to say. You know, Ballarat particularly, it's about a tragic, you know, loss of young homeless people's lives in an extremely rich country, in in a country, in a a place that symbolically uh, represents Australian democracy, uh, parliamentary representation that means represent representation of the most vulnerable as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah i i feel like um that was a st- story that deserved to be told and um yeah i guess babylon is another one that comes from a very different more uh it's an almost spiritual kind of place
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um i like to embrace things that come in in a different way, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I can think to myself, hey, th- this is a really unusual song for me, so it's like being in the Matrix, you know. Yeah. Something's different, it's good, <laughs> and you go with it. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And you you mentioned being a political person, and you're talking about you know the the subject of Ballarat. Um, so I guess it raises the subject of, of music as activism, actually. And I always think you know with art you can you can hide some things in plain sight. And I also like to talk about subverting from within. So with it, like yeah. within the structure of a song, because Ballarat is a is a song that really gets a grip on a listener, um, and it, it might musically and vocally get a grip on them before they actually listen to the the lyrics. Yeah. Because that's, you know, depending on how you listen to songs. So I'm just curious as to whether you've set out to use music as activism in a way or whether it's just something that's evolved through your writing.
1: Uh, I think I'm a born activist and campaigner right. and I can't help myself. Okay. Um, and I think there are ways of sharing ideas um, that, that can really be uh, a matter of basically offering people a way of showing them a situation, you don't have to tell them a situation and beat them over over the head with it mm-hmm. uh, because when people arrive at their own conclusions, uh, that's so much more powerful than, than them being dragged by the nose, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think yeah, you you want to um, present it in a similar way to you would a story, a novel, you know, people are intelligent enough to exercise uh, their own minds. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't want to be uh, tendentious or directive in how people take it on. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of reveal my feelings later on. But, yeah, it's not like um, I'm in any position to dictate uh, and make people see it all my way.
0: Mm-hmm. And what you were saying about showing over telling, I think it is it is one of the hardest disciplines as a, as a writer though of any, of anything really to resist the impulse to tell. And it, and it can take a lot of practice, a lot of skill and a, really a lot of ruthlessness with your own work. So is that yeah. something that you've honed over the course of writing songs or do you think that intention from the start to show as much as you could rather than tell was there in your songs from the beginning?
1: Um, well, I've been a lifelong reader and lover of books I have a background in writing journalism uh, music writing Mm -hmm. political writing and um, yeah I suppose yeah I have been educated Mm -hmm. in a technical sense around these things but I also know what I respect and appreciate
2: Mm -hmm. and,
1: and what works for me you know what uh, the the people who listen to what you do and support what you do will often have a huge amount in common is what i find you know yeah uh, so yeah i think there's a time and place for those sort of um very uh strident kind of anthems and i've certainly done that um but if you're going to do it, I think you need to do it really well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, yeah, I think the more you can um, create a bit of space, uh, I call it leaving the windows open in yeah. some writing for people to bring in their own imagination, um, I think the better.
2: Yeah.
0: That's a great way to put it, leaving the windows open. <laughs> I may or may not steal it. I'm in conversation with other people, But Just clearly give me credit. That's
2: all. <laughs> okay,
0: I will give it. I will absolutely credit you. um And I also, yeah, listening to the songs, you clearly have your antennae up in daily life. There are things you document in your songs which indicate that you very much notice details. And I don't know whether it's related to you being, as you said, a board activist, which suggests a certain amount of or a certain level of compassion, like built-in compassion, where you're looking at the world around all the time and, and and seeing what you can do to improve it, I think is the basis of activism. So I'm wondering if you were like that as a kid. Were you someone who noticed details or is it something that, again, has evolved with your writing?
1: Um, well, thank you for noticing that, first of all. And I would say, yes, I am very committed to uh, basically taking in, you know, the situation um, around me. And I feel like, my uh, early childhood basically forced me to do that. I remember being uh, very aggressively bullied basically because I had a speech impediment and uh, it's interesting how some people go when they experience that kind of um, abuse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I am um, extremely sort of empathetic according to, you know, what, what my, uh, doctors have spoken to me about I have a vulnerability to other people's pain and suffering Hmm. so when other people are hurting I will hurt too Mm -hmm. and I think um, you know as humans we're social animals Mm -hmm. we we live uh, with and for one another and yeah I, I want my work to be supportive of people who need it so yeah, I think um it, it it's a matter of you, you, you apply, you you listen and, and you um hopefully get across ideas that will resonate with people. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be yeah, a, a very rewarding thing when others um identify themselves in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, feel seen and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you said, you can go different ways when you're bullied when you're a child, it can be to become a bully yourself. Um, it can be to think that the world's just terrible and you don't want to have anything to do with other people and become quite reclusive and introverted or to do what you've done, which is essentially actually put those antennae even further up, I think, um, which makes yeah. you more sensitive and, and alert. So I'm wondering, therefore, if Creating art is a way of actually tempering that to it because you could, can really expose yourself and be burned out in a way. Like there's that, that idea of being too open hearted with all the energy flowing out. So I'm wondering yeah. if that's.
1: Yeah, uh, I've experienced what they call vicarious trauma through working with refugees and um, other people who've suffered the worst kinds of uh, persecution. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, it's made me think carefully about. How do I protect myself? Mm-hmm. But um, I also see that um, in my case, I will always have a level of involvement mm-hmm. uh, with the people I love and care about across, you know, different communities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, that means I want to live a pur- purposeful life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like uh, what I've managed to do so far in my writing, where I've been approached to write songs um, that are basically giving voice to refugees in detention or helping to share the story of the first Tasmanian Aboriginal uh, men to be brought across, eventually executed in Victoria. Mm -hmm. There's a weight of responsibility that comes with that that I take really seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a power in song to communicate it's very, very hard to argue with um, a story that's set to a melody and a rhythm, mm. and these things can have a life and, you know, an enduring quality to them. Mm. They, they can communicate. If you think of a song like From Little Things, Big Things Grow, for example, um, you know, they, these are setting our history down in, in ways that just stay in our mind.
2: Mm-hmm
0: um and oh i had a question in mind and it's completely gone out the window so i will look to the questions that i have prepared earlier um which is and i'll say that you know given given the, the great care that goes into your songs you obviously want to have musicians playing with you who also take great care with it and you have some great ones on this album including jai perry banks so how do you therefore come to choose who helps you take care of these stories that you're giving to people
1: Um, I think we're really, really lucky to have uh, so many talented, amazing people in our music community (laughs) around the country, really. Um, I met Jai Perry Banks at Tamworth in 2016 and first heard him play up there and he blew my mind. And, um, yeah, you build these relationships and when a project comes around, he's like one of the first people that I would call to to help out, but I have, you know, so many different musician friends who are super talented. And, um, yeah, I, I do believe that making a record, um, it's an art art form that you want to honor in full. Mm Um, i am not, uh, you know, if you commit to making a record, you have to do, I would say an outstanding job, you know, Uh, uh, because, uh, why, why would you start if you didn't have the the highest possible aim?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah, I, I'm really, really proud of the quality of musicianship across the album. Um, mm-hmm. we have got great guitarists like Megan Bernard, for example, on the track Oil and Water. She plays with Liz Stringer and she's one of my favourite musicians in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Justin Olsen on drums. And... Of course, Stephen Grady, who did production, he's an incredible musician and uh, vocalist, mm-hmm. as well as you know an emerging producer, thanks to the work that he's done in this album uh, and more. So, I think yeah, there's a huge amount of talent to draw on, and uh, well, as the title of the album says, all my friends are superstars. <laughs> They're talented people. You know, they might not be have their names up in lights. But I think you you want to put together something that really celebrates and honors that talent.
0: And mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the recording
2: process?
1: I love it. Yeah, I, I I would do that every day if I could. Right. You know, to to do it well, there are definitely costs. But a lot of this album was recorded between Stuart and my home studios. Sorry, Steve and my home studios. So, um, it it's a matter of uh. We, we had sort of million-dollar um, tastes on a, on a beer budget, but we did have great support via crowdfunding as well that enabled us to do some studio um, tracking with drums and live tracking the title track and so forth, processing sounds to, to give them that um, highly, uh, you know, great-sounding uh, finish that there's no way you could tell that a lot of it was recorded at home, but then you've got people like Billy Eilish who release, you know, million sellers that have been recorded in the bedroom these days. So, yeah, as long as you're intelligent about how you apply these things and have that end result in mind, I think you can do great things.
0: And it does sound great, the album, I have to say. the, the All the, the sounds are really clean. They really support, uh, the musicians really support your voice and support the, the song itself really well. Um, so I'm curious, um, given that you do other forms of writing and uh, you like to to read books as well, that could have been an avenue for you to, to share stories with the world. What made you decide to become a musician and a songwriter? Yeah.
1: Um i don't really have a choice in that i feel compelled to write songs Mm -hmm. songs arrive in my head um you know in the case of an example like ballarat or man on fire it's like um the way i describe it is my my brain is like a pinata that gets knocked open from time to time and these things just kind of pour out you know it's not all good Mm -hmm. um but I think I approach songwriting in such a way where I do write a lot Mm -hmm. and the more you write the better you get the more conscious you are of the things that do or don't work Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a matter of um I don't wait for inspiration Mm -hmm. sometimes it hits me involuntarily but um writing i'm a believer in writing every day if you can right
0: and i suppose therefore a believer that you do have to sometimes just you know write write some stuff out in order to get to the song that you will end up with that you know some songs are not going to be usable or not going to be as you would want them to be but that's necessary always to like clear out the sludge to get something
1: else yeah definitely and like i'm constantly trying to improve my musicianship i'm known uh, as a lyricist by a lot of people but you know pretty much every time i step out of the shower i have a new melody in my head so you know i might sit down and i'll harmonize some chords out of that melody
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then suddenly a line will uh You know appear based on that melodic line or hook that will evolve into a song and um yeah with with a little bit of playing around it's like you you can tease out an idea so there's no end to to what you can do Uh, every day you can actually learn something new try something new uh be inspired by things and yeah, it's a constantly rewarding and, and interesting thing for me.
0: I think that goes back to what I said earlier about your antennae being up. It's not just to the world around you, but also to those ideas that come through. So you you are obviously someone who really is in every day. You you very present in every day. If that makes sense.
1: Um, not sure that my wife would necessarily agree <laughs> with that.
2: She but, doesn't
1: want to. <laughs> you know,
0: she's not here. She's not in the
1: internet. Um are known for having their heads up their own behinds a bit, but um.
0: <laughs> but it's in the service of art, that's fine. Think,
1: yeah, they talk about the artistic temperament. Right. You know, I have that, I can't help it. Right. <laughs> I, I try to function, I try to hold down jobs and relationships, and uh You know, the first job is to get away with it, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think uh, it's all a balancing act and um, I'm very, very fortunate that uh, there are people who are receptive to my work and and appreciate it and I'm very well supported uh, by my loved ones. Well,
0: um, given that you, as you talked about the artistic temperament, which means you understand other artists, here is my segue to talking about the website Unpaved uh, which is run by you, you write what's on it, and it's devoted to folk country in Melbourne. When did you start running that?
1: I think I started it maybe around about uh, 2012 or a bit earlier. I'm struggling to put an actual date on it. Um, so I've been playing uh, gigs in this sort of vein since about 2010. Right. And, yeah, I didn't feel like this area of music that had, you know, people like Liz Stringer, Van Walker, Geordie Lane, uh, Sel Kimber, those were the people who were around at the very beginning. And I thought, you know, why aren't these people getting the love that they so richly deserve? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, um, yeah, I I had a bit of experience doing music journalism with a publication called um, Massive Mm -hmm. that was uh, put out via the HMV stores. And they used to get me to write regular reviews on, you know, any genre of music. They'd send me along to review Ricky Martin or, you know, whoever was playing. Yeah. Um, I'd interview international artists uh, back in the days of dial-up phones. And um, (laughs) it was um, great fun. And, yeah, it really opened up my mind to different kinds of music. I got to cover a lot of good country music as well, which mm-hmm. was great. And um, yeah, I think the Unpaved project was totally unpaid <laughs> and uh, yeah, trying to do grassroots music journalism. Mm-hmm. And pretty quickly, promoters and publicists picked up on it and started attracting inter- international in- interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, And my thinking at the time is that you know covering international touring artists would also help elevate local artists because mm-hmm. you've got the same, you know, they, these people on the same website and so forth. So I got to interview my hero Steve Earl twice, and you know, Jason Isbell and Justin Earl and Valerie June. And, David Bromberg and a lot of other incredible musicians and songwriters. Mm -hmm. And I love the challenge of rising to the occasion of researching and interviewing and and drawing, you know, new ideas Mm -hmm. out of people whose work I love. Um, So yeah, I I did that while it was kind of sustainable to do Mm -hmm. and, um, Part of that project was also doing a Monday night songwriter session at the old bar, right. where we'd have three newer singer songwriters kick off the night with three songs each in the round, mm-hmm. followed by three more established artists doing the same. And, and that turned into quite an institution for a while in Melbourne and it was a great way for people to hear new music, make new friendships mm-hmm. and a lot of um, beautiful things uh, grew out of that which was wonderful to see.
2: Yeah
0: and there is in Melbourne a, a great music community that's still within the city it seems. I know, mean, I live in Sydney and so many of the venues that we had uh, not there's no music anymore, and you know it's a very expensive city for people to live in. So I think the music communities, particularly in country music, have gone further out, the central coast, for example. But it 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 must be great to be a musician working like you are and still be able to be within that community, and then also document it. So you have a really interesting perspective on all aspects, I think.
1: Yeah, I I love Melbourne so much. You know because it is so rich in culture. You know uh the people make it a special place the venues um yeah we're extremely fortunate as well to have incredible community radio if you look at stations like triple r pbs 3cr joy um they all give an amazing platform to local artists in a way that um a lot of other cities just don't have so um we're, we're very very fortunate um, yeah, I do not take that for granted at all. I think you know, yeah, we want to basically get out and support every gig that we can.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess yeah, you know, partly it's a it's a continuum. I guess if the you know the artists get out and play and and deliver for the community, and then the community supports them, and it just so happens that in Melbourne, that's a symbiotic relationship that's that still seems to be quite healthy.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's taken a pounding with COVID, COVID, that's for sure. And I think, you know, people's habits um, can change, you know, people getting used to staying home and watching Netflix and that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But whenever people go out, they have a wonderful time. You can't replace that real life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a buzz about being in a room with live music wherever you go. Yep. And, um, yeah, the crowds may not be huge for every gig, but they're really appreciative and they get right into it and uh, they're glad that they came. Mm.
0: Do you remember the first ever gig you went to as a punter?
1: Um, I remember being very, very young back in 1988 during mm-hmm. the bicentennial celebrations mm-hmm. and, um uncanny X-Men were playing on one of the piers down in St Kilda. Yeah. And I uh, thought, oh, so this is what a rock concert is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's rock and roll.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And what was the first gig you ever played?
1: Um I would have been 13 years old
2: mm-hmm.
1: playing drums in my band called the Lobotomy Scars at the Riverside Tavern in Richmond. Yeah, we were, we were young punk rockers.
0: How does a 13-year-old come up with a band name like that?
1: <laughs> hey, I'm weird. What can I say?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's very specific and, as I like to say, the specific is universal. Um, hmm. So, Les, uh, as I'm talking to you, uh on the road on an, on a tour. How have you found it being out connecting to people? Because, as you said, post-lockdown, you know, things have changed. People have changed their habits. But I imagine people have been coming out for your shows.
1: Yeah, every show has been fantastic. They're all different and there's a novelty to being on the road and in a different venue that you've never been to before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, started off in Canberra in the first night with a wonderful young Ngunnawal artist by the name of Alinta Barlow. And, yeah, it was just so beautiful to be at Smith's Alternative We had a small crowd, but they were a quality crowd and they got so into it with, you know, singing, clapping, you know, busting moves and that kind of thing.
2: Mm. I
1: I believe that, you know, uh, yeah, when you're at a gig, everybody's involved, right? So we had a great time and every gig that we've played... I've played a number of gigs now with Bradley Christmas, which have been awesome. He's an incredible uh, musician and songwriter himself. I've been accompanying him with some harmonica. He's been accompanying me with some um, piano. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, every gig, we've had these incredible conversations afterwards with, yeah, people who are so happy to see us and Mm -hmm. love our music and want to support what we're doing. So, Yeah, the shows haven't been big, but they've been really, really big in part and and, and, and rewarding. And, um, yeah, we've been loving every minute of it. So, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, It's, um, live music is the best, you know, because that's part of why I do what I do, to try to encourage people to get out and see wonderful musicians like you. Um, And I've had you talking for quite a while. You need to save your voice. You have more shows. Liz Thomas, it's been great to talk
1: to you. Thanks so much, Sophie. I hope to see you at a show soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com
2: or to Sunboat Country Music on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.